that Lynn Company and management consulting. Hope everybody has been doing well. I've been uh, a little bit of all over downstate quite a bit. Uh, came back upstate, been working a little bit on our farm, got all the spring planting in, and uh, of course it's just crazy drought. So uh, hopefully we're going to be getting some more rain uh, this coming weekend. It's June 23rd, so supposed to be getting some more rain. I know a lot of guys are uh, definitely need more rain for food plots and pig plots. Uh, but yeah, hopefully we can get some more rain, especially coming into the fall. You know, we got a, a really bad spring, so hopefully we can at least get good, good fall plots for a lot of guys. So um, yeah, so hopefully everything's doing well. Um, looking forward to this podcast. We actually have on here uh, Don Hagen. Uh, a great, uh, great time on here discussing a lot of different things in his hunting career. Uh, did something a little bit different with this podcast and uh, talked about uh, kind of what his mission is as a deer hunter and, and land manager. Uh, we talked a little bit about you know, how to be better stewards of God's creation and you know, what that looks like. Um, so just taking a, a little bit different view, taking a little break from uh, you know some of the educational stuff I've been doing lately and uh, kind of want to change things up a little bit, see if you guys like it. Uh, if you guys do, give us some feedback. If you don't, give me more feedback either way. You know, I, I love hearing from uh, listeners, and I really appreciate all the support from you guys listening on here. So, uh, yeah, we talk about a lot of different things. Um, so, one thing I want, before we even start, we, we discussed this a little bit in the podcast, but uh, I'd like you guys to, to think about something uh, that I recently I try to, uh, to think about as I'm, you know, going about uh, meeting people and throughout the hunting industry and as I'm hunting, obviously this is my full-time job being a whitetail land manager. Um, and, and that question is, is hunting improving your life or consuming your life? And I think often uh, we get so caught up in, you know, trying to, to uh, you know, scout as much as we can, hunt as much as we can. And we're always chasing after that, that big uh, monster buck. And, uh, you know, which is great, obviously. I love that. It's my passion. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do anything else. Um, and, uh, but, you know, often I think, you know, we get caught up in, in that, you know, consuming our lives, taking a lot of our, our time. And um, I think that's good. You know, it, we need those hobbies and we need those passions uh, in life. But I think at the same time, we got to make sure that, that uh, there's a balance to it and uh, that we're leaving time for other important things, you know, family all these different things, which a lot of we talk about in this podcast. So hope you guys in like uh, enjoy this. Uh, I really appreciate Don Higgins coming on this podcast and uh, discussing some of these things with me. And uh, we'll see you guys after the show. After. All right, everybody, we got Don Higgins on here. Don, are you here? I'm here. All righty. Well, thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So, uh, what have you been up to lately? I know you're uh, a pretty busy guy. So, I was curious what you've been up to lately. I know you're always testing different products and all kinds of stuff going on on the farm. Yeah, June is probably the month that I do the least in regards to deer hunting. So, I've been working around the farm, just, you know, getting things uh, taken care of so I don't have to deal with them later when I want to be out. Oh, uh, running cameras or or sitting in a stand or whatever. So sure, good chance to catch up around the farm. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's cool. Have you guys been in the same drought that we have been in Michigan? Yeah. Um, we did get an inch and three-tenths about a week ago, but uh, we could have used double that. We could use that much more again. Yeah. Yep. I'm right there with you. It was pretty dry. I pulled some posts today on the farm. and Shoot, it was dry down in those holes, you know, three or four feet down. Wow. Now, are you more of a loamy? Loamy clay soil, or oh uh, no, we I'm in some of the richest uh, soil on the planet, so good, you know, black silt loam. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> I'm, yeah. used, I'm used to that sandy loam or really clay and a lot of rocks. <laughs> Up here in Michigan, yeah, so. I've been blessed to, you know. I have some great soil on my farm. I, I don't, other than corn, where that needs a lot of nitrogen, I can grow anything without fertilizing at all. Wow. That's really good. That's super nice, for sure. Um, well, if you don't mind, if you want to give a little intro, uh, you know, most people probably, probably know who you are, but if you want to give a short little intro about yourself, a little bit of maybe your upbringing, um, uh, we'll kind of start diving in a couple of other uh, topics we got tonight. Okay. Well, I'm, I'll be 60 years old this summer. live in central Illinois. I've been here all my life. Actually, the, the farm that I have was my grandparents' farm before me. Um, so I've been on this property basically since birth. Oh. Um, I always had an interest in the outdoors. And when I shot my first deer in 1979 at the age of 16, um, my whole world changed. I knew what I was put on earth for at that point. <laughs> yeah. Over the next few years, I slowly gave up everything and just uh, focused on bow hunting, uh, mature bucks. Um, started writing in 1996. Had my first article published in North American Whitetail. And since then, I've had articles in about every major hunting magazine. I've uh, written two books on hunting uh, trophy whitetails. I uh, started a uh, uh, food plot seed company and deer nutrition company 15 years ago, Real World Wildlife Products. So I've uh, been doing that uh, for several years. I uh, started a podcast called Chasing Giants. Three years ago, I think it was. But uh, basically, anything that's got to do with chasing big deer, I've got my hand in it somehow. <laughs> Sounds like it for sure. Now I have uh, followed you for for a while, and uh, uh, I actually got to I got to meet you. You probably don't remember, but we you were at uh, you were up in Claire, Michigan. Uh, I think it was, it was last year, year before. We talked a little yep. bit, but um, yeah, so. Fun to follow along with guys. Got to know a lot of great guys over the last couple of years. Just kind of, you know, getting my feet wet in the whole habitat community and the whole world. So it's been, uh, it's been really fun. We're blessed with a lot of opportunities. So. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, why don't you, um, as we kind of transition into some of the topics we got, so what what would you say is, is kind of your mission as a deer hunter and a habitat manager? far as I know that's kind of a that's a broad question um, because there's a lot of different avenues but 
but as far as you know, you, you and the reason why I ask is because you kind of you know I would consider you you know one of the top deer hunters you know in the country, and um, you know as far as you know you've seen a lot of different things, you've harvested some absolute phenomenal deer, and um, a lot of different experiences on different properties and public land and private land, and um, you know how does that all tie into uh, you know you kind of your mission. As a, as a deer hunter and then you know as a habitat manager too well I, I just try to to share with others the lessons I've learned to save them a few years on the learning curve mm-hmm. you know, most of what I learned I learned the hard way by making mistakes the first time or two yeah figuring, figuring it out and uh, I, you know I've been blessed to to uh, make a living as a whitetail consultant, um, travel all over the country every winter. Um, I hate to guess how many states I've been to, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's sharing that knowledge and, and the, the real joy for me comes when someone I, I meet, you know, at a show or whatever says, you know, here's a picture of the buck I shot last season, the biggest buck in my life, and it's because of you, something I read one of your articles or something I saw in one of your videos or, or whatever. And uh, that, that's just more and more rewarding the older I get. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I can, I can 100% relate. And obviously I'm on a totally different level than you, but, um, you know, I've had a lot of the same, same experiences. It's, it's a super rewarding thing when you can, you know, I can learn something and then from other guys that I work with somebody can learn something from me and you know when you get to see that come full circle um either when you know can be building a relationship or a friendship or you know simply just a hunting strategy or habitat technique or consulting client or whatever it is you know um yeah i think that's that's been really rewarding for me and that's one of the things where you know when you go through those tough times of you know you don't want to do certain things you know it kind of makes those those tough times a little bit easier to kind of push through um, you know so how would you say that kind of relates as into more so on the habitat side of things i know you kind of hit in that a little bit but um has that kind of changed your your approach to you know long-term uh, habitat plans and and goals for landowners and stuff as far as you know leaving behind uh, you know quality habitat and kind of your mission for for that as a you know uh, as a consultant i guess yeah a lot of my you know clients are they purchased a hunting property most of them don't you know fall into it like i did you know it's been in their family forever most of them went out and purchased a property and, and my clients are you know typically very very successful in something in life it's it's allowed them to you know, the financial ability to buy a hunting property and they plan to leave it to their kids or grandkids or whatever. Mm-hmm. They just want to leave the best, you know, piece of deer hunting ground or wildlife habitat, however you want to look at it. Yeah. Pass it down the line as their legacy. And, you know, I just feel honored when they call me to, to help them with that project and uh, put their trust in me to put a plan together to make the property the best it can be. So, um, I, you know, I, 
I say all the time, I've got the best job on the planet. I wouldn't trade what I do for anything. Mm -hmm. There's not a single job out there that I would rather do than what I'm doing. And I think most people don't understand how long it took to get here. I get contacted by a lot of younger guys in their 20s or 30s or whatever that are, they say, I want to do what you're doing. Well, that's fine. Keep your nose to the grindstone because it took me a long time to get there. Yep. You know, I had real jobs for a number of years, and it's only been in the last, uh, I, I don't know, I was over 50. I'd say it's been in the last five to seven years that I've, started making all of my income, you know, through hunting or something tied closely to hunting. Yep. And uh, I, I don't think most folks recognize or realize that. Um, they, they think that at 20, 30 years old, they should be able to figure out a way to, in, in a year or two, be doing what it took me decades to do. And, and I did it in decades with a fraction of the competition that's out there today. Yep. So yep. when it, I did it, there wasn't, you know, thousands of other guys my age striving to do the same thing sure. like there is today. So yep. your yep. guy today, he's got a lot harder path than what I had. But even with the path that I had, it took decades. You know, I was over 50 years old when it all came together. Right. And uh, it's just, yeah, it's an honor to, to have these guys looking up to me and seeking advice. But I don't want to mislead them either. I'm want to give them a dose of reality so that yep. you know they don't waste their their time or their money or or even uh, put their family in a bad financial situation as they chase a dream that's maybe not likely to happen yeah no absolutely no i think those are those are great points and, and things to consider for sure and um and i can definitely relate to that i've i've been i've been really blessed with a lot of connections in this this industry and I'm, I'm now full time in this. Um, but I've, I've added on other, other streams of income and, and, you know, really try to diversify myself, you know, um, you know, try to do the, the smartest thing for my position. And I'm not trying to, you know, give myself any accolades or anything. <laughs> I've had a lot of other opportunities, you know, I've worked hard to, to get where I'm at, but, um, yeah, hundred percent. It's, it takes a lot to get to, you know, especially your level taken a little ways to get to the level I'm at. I'm not even close to where I want to be. So, <laughs> so, uh, but you know, you got to keep striving for more and, and dreaming big and, and uh, working hard. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that kind of leads, you know, into some other stuff that, that I, uh, I've always tried to, to strive for, uh, you know, kind of as a deer hunter and a habitat manager. And uh, I think that one of those things is, is kind of how can we become better stewards of God's creation and, you know, leaving behind that legacy, you know, for generations to come. And um, so, I, you know, I think that can, there's a lot of different ways that we can do that, you know, throughout whatever we're doing, you know, with our properties. Um, you know, I think there's, there's things that, you know, are just basic hunting ethics. Um, you know, it comes down to a lot of times on the hunting side. Um, and then, you know, I think with the habitat side of things, you know, it's more so, uh, you know, sustainability, you know, for what you're talking about, timber or improving things, you know. I'm sure you've seen lots of different jobs where, you know, either it's a timber job or 
agriculture or whatever, where it's it, they've just focused on the money and the you know the profit, and uh, they haven't really left the best for you know the habitat quality or or um, you know future landowners. So you know I've seen a lot of that, and it's definitely something I try to pride myself into you know thinking about those long term things as far as might be forestry, might be agriculture. Um, so yeah, I wanted to get your take on what you thought about, you know, how you kind of, um, you know, become better at, you know, striving to become a, a better steward of God's creation. Well, the, the fact that I've got two young grandsons has really helped me kind of refocus. Um, and you know, the oldest one's 12 years old, so he's been around a little while and um, right out of the gate uh, when he was first born, I realized that, you know, I'm not going to be here forever, and mm-hmm. this place is going to be left to hopefully one of my grandsons one day. Um, so, you know, I, I realized, and it really helps also that my place was once my grandfather's farm. So, you know, my grandfather improved the property, um, basically for what his uses were and his uses were different than mine. So his, his were more agricultural based. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, uh, uh, he was a good steward. Don't get me wrong, but sure. his uses of the property was totally different. than mine. I recognize that, you know, my grandkids may have a totally different use for this farm than what I have. Sure. Um, you know, deer hunting may be way down the list of priorities and, I've tried to, you know, do things with with that in mind. And a couple of examples is, uh, you know, the, the management of the trees on the property. Yeah. Um, I, I try to manage so that there will be harvestable timber in the future. I don't go crazy with a chainsaw just creating deer cover um, without regard to, to what that chainsaw is coming in contact with. I want to you know, cut out the trees that are never going to have value. But when I see those trees that are of value, and especially, you know, you get a species like walnut, for example, a walnut does nothing for deer. Right. No. Um, I mean, it's useless for a deer. Sure, they rub them, but they'll rub about any tree. Right, sure. But a walnut is, is one of the most valuable timber trees there is. Yep. And in, in the past several years, I've got to the point where I'm protecting, not only protecting those walnuts, but I'm also, you know, pruning them up and yep. trying to give them good branch structure and a, a nice long trunk so that one day that when my grandkids do harvest them, they're, they're going to be as valuable as possible. You know, it's things like that that the labor, you know, I will never um, reap the reward for my labor, mm-hmm. but uh, my grandkids will in the same way that I reap the rewards for some of the things my grandfather's done. Uh, you know, another way that I'm looking out for my grandkids is when I put agriculture ground into deer habitat, um, I'm using native grasses more than I am trees. And the reason for that is if they come along and, you know, they don't have the same interest, those native grasses are a lot easier to terminate and, you know, change the whole use of the land than wooded cover is. Mm-hmm. Um, if I plant trees 20 years down the road, it's going to take a dozer to 
clear that ground out with uh, native right. grasses all it's going to take is a match and some herbicide and boom you're yeah. back to farming it or you can make cattle pasture out of it or whatever you need to do yep um so you know i'm managing my place for deer particularly for a well-balanced herd that includes mature bucks mm-hmm. uh, as big a bucks as i can possibly grow but at the same time i recognize that there's some things that that I've got options, you know, I, I don't have to go out, you know, plant a 40-acre field into trees. I can put it in switchgrass, accomplish the same thing, and yet my grandkids' hands aren't being tied. Yeah. That, that's kind of been, you know, the shift in my approach since my first grandson was born. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, I like that a lot. That's, uh, that's definitely something that I, you know, kind of, thought about and I've got to work with quite a few different guys and every guy's got a little bit different approach on you know how much to cut here and you know what type of you know uh, timber stand improvement you know practice is using and so you know I think there's there's a balance to a lot of different things you know with, with uh, you know some guys that's all they want you know as far as you know property they, they just you know I want to cut really hard you know and then you yeah. other guys where no, you know, we're going to cut this section. We're going to be more, you know, uh, you know, fine tooth comb through the property. And, and, um, so yeah, you know, I try to adapt and, and, you know, be respectful for all those, those different guys. And I think it's, it's taught me a lot of different things and kind of broadened my perspective on, you know, how to manage a property. And you know, there's not just one way. <laughs> and, right. uh, some ways work better than others. And, um, so yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess kind of keying off of that, um, you know, one of the things that I think I think a lot about, you know, as a young guy, is, um, you know, what what would I want my my hunting legacy to be, you know, to kind of leave behind, um, you know, as far as that might be a hunting property or how people viewed me, um, and and I think that uh, a lot of that ties into, you know being a better steward of the, of the property and, um, you know, and, and, uh, and having a, uh, you know, a bold faith and, and I've always, you know, respected you, um, you know, be very, to be you know, bold in your faith and, uh, uh, you know, outspoken. And so I think that is one of the things that, you know, I, I see a lot of different, um, I guess, division, throughout the hunting community and you know i see some some ruined relationships or uh you know loss of mission or hunting property you know there's all these different things that you know i'm sure you've seen throughout your career and um you know i guess you have that and you have that in a lot of different avenues of life but you know i think uh you know throughout the hunting and um you know being a hunter and a, and a land manager um you know i tried to pride myself to to build into people and, uh, you know, to really leave that legacy behind, um, whether it's a, a family member or, you know, a, a friend or acquaintance or getting into hunting or, or teaching them something. Um, that's always something that I've tried to strive for is to, uh, is to, you know, kind of leave that legacy behind and, and uh, you know, good ethics and morals and stuff like that. So I'm curious to what your take on is on, 
you know, kind of what would be your your hunting legacy that you would ultimately want to to leave behind or to portray to you know the listeners? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I hope that uh, people recognize that, that first of all, I, I never thought I was better than anyone else. You know, the fact that I've shot some big deer does not make me better than anyone else. I am also, you know, I was the greenest beginner at one time. So I don't look down on anyone. I don't care if they haven't never shot a deer, period. Um, yeah, I try to remain humble. Um, pass along the knowledge that I've learned and, uh, you know, basically uh, treat people the way I want to be treated. Yeah. Deer hunting, the deer hunting community is really kind of a reflection of society in general um, to some degree. I mean, we don't, we don't have some of the radical things that are going on in society in the hunting industry too much, maybe very, very small degree of any. <laughs> but, right. you know, a lot of the good, a lot of the bad in society is, is right there in the hunting community. It's, um, you know, we got, uh, I guess I really don't need to, to go into some of the things people do, but, uh, <laughs> I just, you know, you know, I try to be somebody that, uh, anybody can approach. I don't look down on anybody. I help anybody that I possibly can. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really bothers me that there's jealousy out there that that wants to to bash people that they don't even know and mm-hmm. spread untrue rumors and things like that. And I think if uh, if you talk to people that actually know me, you'll find out that I'll bend over backwards to help others. Certainly, don't think I'm better than anyone else. Yeah, so those are a couple of things, and you know. The fact that I kill, have killed some nice deer is kind of beside the point, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's that, that's great. I mean, I think that's uh, I really respect that, and um, you know, look up to that. And um, you know, that's coming from a guy who's, like you said, you know, you, you you've been at the pinnacle, you know, of of you know, and I would say, you know, deer hunting as a whole, and um, of course, you know. You know, we always we always want to you know keep chasing 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 big bucks, and uh, you know obviously we both love doing that. And uh, um, but you know I guess pulling a lot of times I have to pull myself out of that, and um, you know focus on the, the bigger picture. Sometimes you know you kind of you get so uh, you know so focused on you know chasing chasing the next biggest buck, and um, uh, you know what's coming next, or what do you need to do to your property, and all that stuff. Um, you know, I kind of I go back to the question: Is is hunting improving your life, or is it consuming your life? You know, and um, I think you know sometimes I have to stop and kind of reevaluate. Sometimes, you know, obviously I've got a passion for what I do, and and I absolutely love it. Um, but you know, sometimes I've got to pull myself away and, and ask myself that question. See, okay, well, what else can I maybe change, or am I, am I, uh, you know, spending enough time with family and friends, and um, you know, my, and my, uh, you know, continuing to build my faith, and um, you know, a lot of different, 
lot of different things that we can talk about. Uh, the things that I that I try to you know think about and strive for. Um, so, yeah, no, I appreciate you sharing that. Well, you know, I've said uh, several times that one day I'm going to be laying in the casket. My family's going to be there. You know, folks are going to come and, you know, try to comfort my family with words of encouragement or whatever. And if the only thing they ever hear is that, boy, Don was a good deer hunter. Boy, I love the articles Don wrote or something like that. If that's the only kind of comments that they hear, then I've wasted my life. Mm-hmm. I feel like I should be using my platform uh, for more than that. Um, you know, God put me where I'm at, and uh, you know, there's a saying or actually a scripture: "To whom much is given, much is expected." Mm-hmm. I've tried to live by that, and uh, every time He's opened a door for me, I've tried to make the most of it but not forget where that blessing came from and and not pass up opportunities to help others along the way as well. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. Um, so, yeah, kind of going off of uh, off there for a little bit, I guess, obviously, me and you both love chasing deer and chasing big bucks, um, but those perceptions might be a little bit different as far as how big a deer we're chasing between uh, – between the deer that you chase and, and the ones that I get opportunities at are, you know, a little bit different caliber. But, um, so I guess that kind of released me into what, you know, one of the questions is, um, you know, how do we set realistic goals for, for wherever you hunt? Um, you know, I've tried to do my best to, um, I guess give, give, uh, balanced expectations for, you know, whether it's a client or a friend or whoever, um, you know, as far as, you know, what they can expect on a property. And um, so I wanted, I was curious to see what your your perspective is on that. And, um, you know, obviously there's all these different, you know, places that you can go to and hunt. Um, I think, and unfortunately, you know, as much as I love watching hunting shows and, and all that stuff, I think a lot of times that's, that's really kind of changed the perspective uh, for, family your average deer hunter on, on you know what they're uh what's actually realistic um you know in the actual deer woods so i think that's one of the things that i've always thought you know i've always tried to share with other guys and say you know let's let's look at your property look at your location and you know look at what your goals are and then you know let's see what's actually obtainable if that makes sense <laughs> well you know it starts with the fact that every property has a ceiling, it, it, it's only going to be so good. No matter what you do, yep. every property has a limit how mm-hmm. good it can be. And you know this. You know I encourage my clients to you know figure out what that limit is, and then you got to decide is that good enough for you. Mm-hmm. If a property's ceiling is a 150 inch buck every three or four years. And, and that's not going to make you happy, well, then you need to do whatever it takes to find a property that is going to make you happy. Yeah. And, you know, I see it on the internet all the time. You post a, a picture of a giant buck, and especially if you've got multiple years of history with that buck, you know, people, you get the, the must-be-nice crowd, you know, people <laughs> making excuses mm-hmm. for their own 
situation. And, you know, I say all the time, well, nobody's forcing you to stay in the situation you're in. Yeah. Uh, you, you can, I mean, you're, it's not like your, your mother takes you out hunting and drops you off at a certain spot every day, and that's the only place you can ever hunt. <laughs> it, it, it's up to you. You're a big boy. You know, put on your big boy britches and decide to, what it takes to make you happy, and then instead of making excuses, look for solutions. Yeah. No, 100%. I agree for sure. And, I, and I've seen that that same thing, too. And that, but that was one of the things why I wanted to ask you, because I know you've you, you've been to some of the best properties, you know, probably that are out there. And, you know, I'm sure you've seen properties that are, yeah, they're, they're so-so or okay, you know. And, you know, you have to have, you have to adjust your your goals and <clears throat> expectations to that property. Um, and, you know, I think there's that, that can, I think, cause a lot of, um, as far as, you know, regulations and different things like that there's a lot of different things that have um you know we we can go down a whole rabbit hole of uh you know state agencies and regulations and all that stuff as far as you know trying to improve improve uh you know better hunting for everyone and unfortunately it's in some states it's a lot worse than others but sometimes there's there's not much we can do sometimes there is but a lot of times it's it's up to us individually as hunters and uh you know on what on what we harvest and decide to pass on and so anyhow um so yeah what uh what are some of the latest habitat projects that you're uh kind of getting into as you're as we're going to be coming into july and august and next thing you know it's going to be opening day Yeah, the habitat work's pretty much done, except for uh, planting fall food plots. Okay. I do all that right after season, um, early spring before green's up. That's when I try to do the majority of the habitat work. And then after that, it's just planting and maintaining food plots. Okay. So I know you've been talking a little bit uh, recently on the Chasing Giants podcast. Um, that you're starting to get a little bit more into the regenerative agriculture, and um, that's something that I've I've kind of you know I wouldn't say completely dove into, but um, you know I've kind of been trying to consume as much information, um, you know, real world you know um, experience on that, and doing trials and um, working with different guys. So I'm curious what's your what's your approach and what's your uh, future plans with starting to convert a lot of your um, you know, tillable ground and food plots into more of a regenerative agriculture approach right now. Uh, right now I'm trying to build the soil with uh, some different amendments like humic, um, um, just more organic matter in the soil. I think that uh, it, it all starts with the soil. Mm-hmm. Healthy soil produces healthy plants, produces healthy deer. Yep, absolutely. So, you know, the thing that, uh, living in Illinois where we're not allowed to supplemental feed or, or use minerals or anything like that. Yeah. Um, we got to supply everything that deer need through our plots or ag fields or whatever. So, you know, that's made me really focus on 
providing the healthiest plants possible. I get a lot of deer will winter on my property in winter because food sources are in short of supply. And, you know, I feel like if I can get those deer through the winter, um, getting every nutrient they need, I'm setting them up for the next antler growing season or the next crop of fawns. Yeah. Um, good example of that's uh, a real world's nutri cream corn. You know, that corn, it's got about one and a half times the protein and three times the fat of typical ag corn. But besides that, one huge benefit that we haven't pushed as much as we should is the fact that that corn has more than twice the calories of typical ag corn. So let's say a, a buck that you're wanting to harvest next year, um, he comes out in the winter and he's feeding into your corn plot and he eats, say, a half a pound of corn. Well, if that half a pound of corn is nutri versus typical ag corn, he's getting twice as many calories. Actually, more than double the calories mm-hmm. in that half a pound of nutri Yeah. You know, you got the additional protein and, and fat, which, you know, they'll burn for energy to stay warm. But yep. you just uh, you help that animal get through the, the winter season and in the spring, you know, in a, in a lot better body shape without being deficient in any nutrient. Again, since we can't do it, you know, with a supplemental feeder here in Illinois, I've got to do it through my plots. And that's been the driving force behind the regenerative ag approach is healthier plants, um, more nutrient-dense plants. is going to help me get my bucks through the winter and the whole deer herd, really. Yeah, absolutely. It's in better shape. And uh, should make them more productive. Yeah. Yep, no, I 100%, 100% agree. I've, <clears throat> I'm trying a lot of different trials here in our farm. I've got really sandy, poor soil, so you know, working on the same thing where you know, I'm trying to you know reduce my inputs ultimately where I can get away with less fertilizer, less herbicide, everything like that. And, um, you know, um, ultimately just, you know, building, building my soil through, you know, same type of thing. I've switched over to all liquid fertilizer, and it's a, it's a humic and fulvic acid-based, you know, carbon-based fertilizer. And um, I've had huge results, great results with that over the last three years. And I was, I was um, just pulled my soil samples this past spring and was going over them from uh, 2020 to, to now, or I think it was 2021, actually. And um, it was it was phenomenal. You know, to really see that on paper, um, you know, as well as, you know, be able to see how much better and more healthy my plants look, how much more attractive, it, you know, they are. Um, I think that's another thing, too, where, you know, you start, you know, putting more minerals and you have higher quality um, food plots. Ultimately, I think they're a lot more attractive. You end up oh, attracting a lot more deer. <laughs> um, so, yeah, more we can build that soil. Better off we are. Yep, for sure. So, are you ready to start putting your trail cameras out? Yeah, I am. I got a tradition. <laughs> I typically put mine out around the 4th of July. Uh huh. And uh, by that point, you know, the bucks have grilled out enough that you can pretty much see what they're going to be. And uh, so, I look forward to it every year like a kid at Christmas. <laughs> I know you guys see your posts. I go, oh man, he's got to be itching his cameras out. 
I yeah. know I am. I got a couple out right now. I'm just watching a couple different blocks about it. <clears throat> now, do you, with your property, I know you've talked about this a little bit, but I know a lot of times you see that typically, from what I've heard, a lot of your bucks typically somewhere on other properties, and then you typically, you know, right around that, you know, mid-September, you kind of get that same shift in the, that fall shift in your property. Right. That's exactly what happens. Yeah. Yep. I'm sure that probably helps with a lot of your uh, your summer crops, you know, your summer soybeans and food plots. You know, that helps with your browse pressure. Well, actually, I get a pretty healthy uh, herd of does on my place that stay here and raise their fawns. Mm. And uh, it, it's just, you know, it's nature's way. God had a, has a perfect plan, and those those get the best habitat to raise their fawns. Yeah. And yep. the bucks typically go out in their bachelor groups, and they'll live. I mean, around here where there's a lot of ag, they'll live in the cornfields and bean fields for most of the summer. Yep. And uh, don't spend a lot of time in the woods. Depending on the exact area they're in, but uh, you know, God had a plan, and I've got the best habitat in the area, so I get a bunch of does raising fawns. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's really cool to see, you know, when you've got a uh, got a farm that's set up well and it's got quality habitat and doesn't have a lot of hunting pressure. It's really fun and very very rewarding to uh, you know be able to watch deer. You know, just watch and observe what deer do. You know, a lot of times I think, you know, as hunters, well, at least for me, you know, coming from a, a Michigan, which is, you know, heavily you know, pressured, uh, uh, hunting pressured state, you know, a lot of times you just don't see deer doing natural, natural things, you know, natural movements and stuff like that. And I think that's where um, it's fun to just see, you know, especially a mature buck, and you can just see him completely, you know, unpressured and, not uh, on high alert or anything, just doing his natural thing. It's uh, it's pretty cool to watch, for sure. I'm sure you've yep. experienced lots of that. <laughs> right. Well, there's nothing like seeing a deer utilize something you've created, whether it be a food plot or bedding cover or whatever. Yep, absolutely. It's very rewarding. Cool. Well... I really appreciate you coming on here, Don. I, I uh, enjoyed uh, talking about these different things. And it's a little bit, a little bit different uh, topics and, and subjects for this podcast. But hope everybody had some good takeaways and some things that uh, you know to think about as we're we're uh, striving to you know, become better habitat managers and, and deer hunters and and help uh, you know ultimately build into one another and as uh, you know friendships and families and uh you know obviously you know we all have the same common goal of you know we love chasing chasing giant bucks and building our habitat um but uh you know i think the sometimes it's good to stop and, and think about the bigger picture of uh of life itself and uh you know what we're doing to to uh better one another and the people who are always surrounded by right well cool well, I appreciate you having me on it's uh, it's been an honor and, you know, I've never turned down anyone for a podcast interview 
just uh, always try to help anyone any way I can. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. Well, take care, and uh, hopefully you have a good rest of your summer, and uh, I'm excited to see uh, that uh, that buck you've been chasing. I can't remember what you finally named him, but... <laughs> um, uh, I call him Babe. Babe, okay. That's yep. cool. Yeah, no, that'll be exciting if he sticks around, for sure. Well, I'll be looking for him here in a couple of weeks. <laughs> right. You just never know, right? <laughs> right. Well, it's exciting. Yep. Well, great. Well, have a good rest of your evening. Appreciate you coming on here again, Don. And uh, I will uh, hopefully stay in touch. And um, have a great rest of your uh, summer and hunting season. Well, thank you. Best of luck to you this season. Thank Looking you. Forward to seeing how you do. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yep, you're welcome. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to Don about a lot of different uh, topics and, and uh, things of discussion from his background to his faith uh, to a lot of different things in the whole hunting world and, uh, you know, his, his legacy and you know, there's a lot of different things we talked about that was great. So, hope you guys enjoyed that. A um, couple quick things. If anybody's interested in still getting the 360 blind for this year, uh, please get a hold of me. Um, we've got somewhat of a limited inventory uh, as of right now. I just need to know, basically, as far as orders, uh, you know, before September would be awesome. That's kind of when I start doing the, the remaining increments of bells here in September. guys are still interested reach out to me i can get you some prices um yeah i appreciate the support we're uh we've bought quite a few of those now so and then uh also if you guys are interested in any uh tacticam trail cameras we do have quite a few of those still in stock um and then also a new announcement for this year uh for this season is i am now a dealer for vitalized seed uh, if you don't know vitalized seed uh the owner al Kamechko, Jerry Van Hees and Habitat Podcast. They are co-owners in the, the company. And uh, if you don't know them, great guys. Had the pleasure to get to know Al. I'm sure if you've listened to the podcast, he's probably been on here a couple times. Uh, very uh, knowledgeable in soil health. And a uh, great diverse uh, blend, both their spring mix and their fall mix. So I will be, uh, I should have their fall mix here in the next two weeks. Um, so if you're interested, reach out to me. Set up all mixed. Thanks, guys. See you next.